Sisters podcast with Nicole and John Ellen. And welcome. In this episode, we are talking to the inspiring and uh, fascinating man, uh, Scott Gazzoli. He's the host of uh, another podcast uh, called Causing the Effect. And he is also, he's a managing director with a big organization, which is uh, called Quest Organization, a boutique advisory firm that caters to the needs of high net worth individuals and families. Scott prides himself on his ability to create solutions and build relationships with his clients. He's also a stand-up comedian by night. He uh, lives, works, and podcasts from Brooklyn, New York. And his podcast is um, all about being your true self. Uh, He considers that one of the biggest gifts we can give ourselves. It's a podcast focused on the true exploration of mind and body on this journey to becoming your true self. And he surely is a fascinating man to talk to, has gone through a lot in his life and his journey towards awareness. And that is, of course, the topic that we are most interested in and discuss with him. Just one little caveat on this episode, there's a few technical difficulties with the recording system, and so there's a few little glitches along the way, so it sounds like strange I'm sound vibe going on um, for <laughs> some of apologies for the moments when I'm speaking, then apologies for that. Um, yes, but I don't talk that much, so it's not something you have to worry about too much. We hand it over to um, Scott in just a moment, but for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to another episode of the Radical Awareness Podcast. We're very excited today to have a very special guest and to be um, going international for the first time all the way to New York. It's like the coolest place. Yeah, yeah. I feel a little bit like, I'm thinking... I'm thinking the opposite. New Zealand's the coolest place. So this is this is fun. That's uh, oh thank you guys for having me. Seriously, have a yeah. different kind of cool though. Eh? Uh, is the yeah. New York cool and New Zealand cool? So that's different cool. Dude, the, the coolest yeah. to me would be go sit in Hobbiton for like for a month and just being left alone. So trust, I'm with you guys, man. I'm I'm gonna come there one day. So I'll have to. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Scott has a podcast called Causing the Effect. It's got 180 odd episodes um, on mind and body, health and wellness, spirituality, philosophy. There's even some stuff on mythology and archetypes and um, great episodes on authenticity and consciousness. Um, You've covered a lot of topics over 180 episodes. And you say some great stuff. About awareness, yeah. And we're so oh. into awareness being like the you know the key of everything, the the gem that if you can cultivate awareness, you change the world. And you have said some things that I'm like, damn, who's that guy? What's he yes, saying? Yes, that, that, I'm with you guys. I, that's why we're on the same page. It's like the first step in any question or any any touch base, it like comes back to to awareness. Not only awareness, self awareness, and that's really mm-hmm. where my journey started. So if you saw me. In my 20s, you would be like, who is this maniac? I was like the typical Italian kid from Brooklyn. We're doing, we're getting, you know, we're getting the women, we're doing drugs, all this good stuff. And and I kept chasing pleasures. Um, quickly realized that is not the answer. Uh, it's like trying to, you know, 
quench an uh, unsustainable thirst. Mm. So um, I started leaning towards uh, spirituality when I was like 28, 29. I went through a divorce. I went through some pretty heavy stuff. Let's start. Mm-hmm. Let's start back. I will start even farther back so people can get yeah, the yeah. Whole story. I was going to tell them before, but like just so everybody knows this is not bullshit. This is like my life. And like I just always embarrassed to say it because like it's such a ridiculous thing. So uh, <laughs> growing up and this is funny because this is my comedy. This is my 10 minutes of my comedy bit, too. So it's just it's like therapy for me. So uh, I knew my father till I was six years old. Um, then he disappeared. Didn't know what happened to him. Didn't know where, where he went. Um, my father went into the witness protection program. Wow. So uh, you guys are familiar with that. It means that yeah, you know, yeah. goes to the middle of, you know, whatever, changed his name. So this motherfucker leaves me with my name, Scott Cazzoli, leaves me. Uh, you know, I never knew the whole story until two years ago when my grandfather told me this whole thing. So my grandfather got out of jail. Um, I didn't never met him before. First time you met him. He's like, Scott, do you know what happened? I said, no, I don't know what the story is. Please tell me. So he said, your father put me in jail uh, for 20 years. So my, my father uh, and his father were the first Rico case. And I'll send you guys the the first is the first ever Rico F to the appellate court, the judicial court, all this stuff. And he sent it to me because my grandfather was like, I know this a lot. Here's the court. You know, you'll see it mentions my name, but not your father's because he was, you know, obviously put away. So that was how, you know, life started from six to six to 15. So I was always um, just I think it leaves a lot of uncertainty. And that's probably where. Yeah, it's crazy. And like uh, there's going to be a movie. I'm going to have like Ryan Gosling play me. It's going to be wonderful. Yes. That's the whole that's the whole thing. <laughs> Um, but starting off life that way, I think it leaves you a little bit, you know, when you don't have a father figure, it's just like, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're kind of, I, I think no, no matter how much I was, I was surrounded by great guys. You just have that confidence issue, that self self-worth yeah. mixed with a mother who, if I brought home a 99, my mother would say, why don't you get a hundred? So we had very high standards that were almost like ridiculous. And I, yeah. I'm happy to say I had 105 average just, but you know, all this stuff yeah. <laughs> led a lot of, it puts a lot of pressure. So, um, all I wanted to do in my twenties was like, make my mother happy. That was like the goal. Um, I'm a mama's boy. I was like, mother, what do my mother want? Have a big time job, make some money, marry an Italian girl from Brooklyn and build a house in Brooklyn. I did that by 27, make it all this money in a hedge fund. Um, you know, all this cool stuff. It sounded good on paper. And I get there and I go, this just doesn't feel right. Like it really just feels off, but let me, you know, maybe I'm not mature enough or I'm not this or that. And for people who don't know, working a hedge fund, in New York city is horrible to me. Um, yeah. you're doing Excel spreadsheets from 9am to 9pm. Well, and then you're probably like working later. Yeah. 12 hours of just doing Excel. And it was not good. So, um, what happened was I started getting really sick, like physically, uh, I got ulcers. They're called, um, peptic ulcers, which are ulcers called from stress. And I said, what the hell is going on? I don't know what to do. Um, I need like something to, to kind of mend this whole thing. My cousin, who's one of these enlightened cats spent 15 years in Thailand. He said, listen, doctor's going to give you this. I think you need to calm your mind down a little bit. Here's a book. It was called, um, the first book I ever read mindfulness in plain English, which was written by, um, I don't even know the guy, but some, some Indian dude, it was like one of these books that blew my mind. I was like, wow, I, I could not sit still for 30 seconds. Um, and that was when I was 25 or 26 is like when all of this started. So, um, yeah, so I've been on this journey for a little bit now, five or six years. Um, once, I kind of, I went through a divorce and I was living with somebody who nothing was bad. There was nothing really terrible about it. It was just something that just, we didn't fit. Um, she was more of an old school Italian style woman. Who's like, what, what, it, what's all this stuff into Why do you have to meditate? Why do you have to go to the gym now? Whatever. So now I start, um, I was growing up 270, 280 pounds, which is about hundred pounds ago. So, um, once I started realizing like you could change your physical world, like 
everything just started kind of kind of run through because in my family it was like we're old school italians everybody just has we like our tea pasta on sundays and that's the way we are we there's no way to change your body i said no that's not really true let me see what i can do so i'm on these fitness nuts i'm in the gym two hours a day all this stuff so the way i i work at it today is you really have to work on your mind body and your spirit so every day i wake up 3 30 a.m um, do about an hour, hour and a half of mental work, which for me, it starts off with pranayama breath work, um, mm. followed by a 45 minutes to an hour, um, meditation. Um, nowadays I'm really focused on Tibetan Buddhism. That's really kind of where I've, oh, um, yeah. and I could, you know, more than happy to talk to you guys about that. Um, but I really felt like I was, when you go and you start doing this stuff, I think I started on like personal development, self-help and that's cool. It's good for rah-rah and Tony Robbins. And I, I, I don't knock that, but I think there's two sides of this puzzle. There's the puzzle mm -hmm. of, doing and then the puzzle of being me being a kid from new york and quick talker doing is really not an issue i set goals 90 days we will hit those i'm not worried about that i'm more worried about being still and being able to enjoy it and that's what i realized i wasn't able to do so i, I really like my meditation comes before my gym now and i've seen like you know you spent three hours in the gym and now you spent two and you, everything goes more towards the mental practices so about an hour hour and a half of the mental work then to the gym so you hit the mind you hit the body and then um I got Marcus Aurelius meditations next to me. I, I tried to, to stay on top of like being as wise and humble as possible because those are things I try, kind of try to work on. Now, mix in a little bit of Carl Jung, mix in a little bit of, of Nietzsche or Freud. Um, all this stuff is like, I'm just obsessed with it. So um, that's what really what my podcast is focused on. Um, it really is like an expression of myself. So uh, if, if you guys saw, like you guys were showing the, the archetype, I was really on my Carl Jung kick. We were doing a lot of dream work. I was, mm -hmm. you know, it's just a lot of stuff. Nowadays, I'm really into the, the Tibetan Buddhism. Um, and, you know, it's just, I love this journey and I love talking about it. Um, it's like the one thing in my life that I can just like, just, it just comes effort, effortlessly. And I could just do this. Like after this, I'm going to sit in the bath. I'm going to read all my books. And I'm like, this is, this is it. So um, I've always had things that felt a little too superficial and it's nice to like, I feel like this is one of the things and even podcasting has become like, this is me being the realest version of myself. And that's what I want um, the podcast to, to happen to every, all my viewers too. So that's the, that's the, there you go. I told you it was going to be a long one. So yeah. I mean, it would, oh, yeah. okay, my first question is, yeah. but have you seen your dad again? Yes. So, uh, I've seen him once or twice and wow. I try to like, I think people think you need to reconcile with your father. We've reconciled in the way, but he's like the exact opposite of me. He's still stuck in like a 25 year old body. He lives in Las Vegas now gambling and having a good time. And that, that there, there's no, it, it, to, to be honest, it's become like, I'm the father and he's the son. So yeah. he's like, how do I stop drinking? How do I stop all this stuff? So we, we see each other and, and, um, we could talk about all this. Nobody's going to kill anybody. We're all safe. Nobody's going to whack me or anything like that. Those yeah. are My father, uh, when I was growing up, you would walk into the, the warehouse. So the warehouse, we were, they were selling coffee. It was not coffee. It was cocaine. So um, they got pinched by whatever, and they read on the Colombian. So it was never like a super. It's a it's a serious thing, but it was never like I don't like if it was that bad. I would have had to go, and other people would have had to go. So he's not in that much trouble now. Um, so I see him, but it's it's I don't like him too much to be honest. Which I I'm, yeah. and and I I'm learning to be less judgmental. Like that's my issue, right? A little bit of anger from you know the the, the angry kid, the usual stuff. So I'm trying to be more compassionate, a little bit more judgmental. So I wasn't speak. I didn't talk to him to be honest with you for the last six years until last week when we spoke for the first time. And he was start crying. I'm so proud of you. I heard your podcast, all this stuff. So oh. I, I'm trying. Yeah. So if if you're listening to that, I'm trying. I'm trying with you. But um, we're yeah. just on different. Yeah, because we I went. Um, I was in Vegas. 
uh, three years ago. And like if in Vegas, if I go like, he'll know, like that's our, the name, the Gazzoli name in Vegas, we are big gamblers and all this stuff. So he knew I was there <laughs> and I was just doing, I was on my spiritual kid. Like, just stand up in, in Vegas. Uh, no, no. So Stan has been going on for two years. I, I was just going just to have a good time on stuff. Single is newly yeah. you know, divorced. I'm gonna have a good time. Yeah. But it was funny. Cause my, my, that's like, I was reading uh, Joe Dispenza, Joe, yeah, yeah. Joe Dispenza. So I had like a bunch of books on me and the, we had like a host and I was giving everybody the books. So we're talking about it. And I guess that left an impression with these guys. Cause these guys told my dad. So they're like, your dad was your son. Like was on the spiritual kick. And that that's the first time he reached out. So that was three years ago. Um, and now like, that was the first time I actually spoke like on FaceTime, spoke with him a couple, um, a couple weeks ago. Amazing. Incredible. What a story. And amazing. You know, there's something really beautiful in the fact that we talk about intergenerational trauma and just the lines coming down and then what you have been so drawn to. But the fact that your path has then crossed back with his and he's asking questions is such a beautiful thing as well, right? Of how it kind of yes. comes back around and connects and there is this healing vortex or opportunity of a healing vortex, let's say. We're trying. Which and it's really yeah. fun. I'm like my sister is a detective in the NYPD. So like it's oh, like wow. we're all like all different levels here. And um we we I do have a single part of it. Yeah, it's like a little movie going on. And we listen, yeah. we do have I, I I'm trying my best to, to be complete and be the best version, but we do have I think that, that, that that's part of why I don't speak to my dad. It's like we do have I, the first time I saw him after all that stuff happened, I was 13 years old. And I remember like it was yesterday. So they have these big casinos in, in uh New Jersey. So, you know, my dad would, you know, that's what me and my dad did for bonding was gamble and not the best thing. Like usually guys are throwing <laughs> baseballs, usually you're doing something normal. And it's like my, my dad would gamble. I'm, so I'm talking about gambling, you know, so this is what happened. The new casino opened up. I was 13 years old. We walk in gambling. You have to be 21 in, in America. Um, and the guy, they walk in, they say, your son can't sit here. Um, he's 13. Like you're not allowed. And my dad said, well, I have a half million dollars to gamble with. I'm either gambling here or gambling at another casino. So they always let me sit because my dad was the big, the big whale. Wow. So being around that, it, it rubbed off on me in not the best way. And, yeah. you know, we got stories about that. And even like, it's funny that you, we're talking about this because last, last month, uh, gambling became legal in New York. So wow. it's still something I'm still, you know, because now I'm having it on the phone to gamble. It's like, it's not a good thing for me. So I'm still playing, with, I'm playing around with it, but it's all works in progress here. But um, yes, it's all like, I, I, I think growing up, you keep looking for the father figure. And I was so, yeah. as I went through the whole thing, I'm like, I, I, not that I, I knock my cousins, just everybody's a little bit different than me, you know, um, being construction guys or firemen or New Yorkers. Like I always had to go, like, I'm walking money. Like, this is the way I think. Like I could, I always wanted to make like a thousand dollars an hour. Like that's what I think I thought in my head. And now I get I'm paid $2,000 an hour by my client. So it's like, it all works. But I, I just knew, I said, instead of like looking for the father figure, mimicking somebody, I'm just going to go out there and like be myself um, mm -hmm. and try to incorporate. I said, once I turn 30, I'm going to, I'm going to tackle my biggest fear, which was um, stage fright. And then I'm gonna start the podcast. So that was about two and a half years ago. And here we are. And it's like, yeah. you know, that that's the, the mythology stuff that having those archetypes within you, like, um, you know, I always use that, um, that phrase of like going after, you know, I feel like I was running away from stage fright my whole life. So I lost, I lost out on opportunities at work. I lost out. I was in high school. I was like running away. I, I would have been like in plays. I would have done all this fun stuff that would have been cool. And I said, instead of running away from everything, I'm just going to say yes and go right at it. So this is like something I have in my brain now. So if I stick a pretty girl on a train, I have to go talk to her. Like, it's just this thing that I've like, I've like turned on this switch that um, you have to kind of walk through the uncomfortable, walk through the suffering. And it's been like amazing. Like uh, after you tackled the biggest mountain, everything else, I just feel like everything else has been 
has been seamless. Um, comedy has its own struggles, but you know, just the, the goal of that was just to get over it. And, um, no, you get, you go get over it. Like you have a development deal and like, you're going through that whole thing. So the, the hardest part is just trying to balance all of it. And that's what I've learned is like, I used to be so black and white, like absolutes, like it's all in, or, or, you know, I gotta, I gotta quit my job and just do comedy. It's not, that's not how it works. I've learned that like balance is the key. So balance a little bit of doing with a little bit of being the yin, and the yang and, and, um, all that jazz. So I'm sorry, guys. I'm just, I just ramble. I told you. Oh, I, told you. I love it so much. Yeah. I also love the, the pace at which you talk also being a very fast talker. Thrilling, you know? Yeah. That's great. <laughs> so I love, I love the fact that you did stand up because I think that having stage fight is one thing, but stand up comedy seems to be like the hardest place you could go, you know, like there were other avenues to, to come overcome stage fright. And so from this idea of awareness and just knowing yourself more and having practices like meditation and breath and just knowing, understanding that you're working with those layers of mind, body, spirit, how did that kind of influence stand-up comedy? And like, what was your first experience like, you know, of going in and being like, I'm doing this. How did that, tell us about that. I'm so interested. So the, the, the whole, and I learned that, I don't know why I just like, I always liked comedy. You're always around it. I just thought, like, why do, why am I so drawn to it? Like, I'm so terrified of it, but why am I so drawn to it? And I think that there's a lesson in your fears. So there yes. was something there for me to be learned. I didn't know, and I couldn't really talk about it, but going through the process of, of, um, of comedy is a self-exploration. So for example, when I get on stage, there's 50 people. I didn't know what, what I, what people saw me as. So I, when I started comedy, I looked at myself in a totally different way then people looked at me and it mm. took me a while to figure out, Oh, well, what are people looking at? Like, what are people seeing? And then, cause that's the first thing you get on stage is you kind of have to see what people see and then shit on yourself. Like you have to see what, the, okay, they saw this. And then you have to kind of quickly make fun of yourself or do something to get, to get through it. So I was coming at it from like a different way. Like I see myself as this Scott. And then the owner would come up to me like, you got to do this more. Like, and I was like, I was trying to do the cause and the effect Scott, right? The philosophy and politics yeah, I- and this and that. And not saying that that doesn't work. It's just I didn't have the skill set for that yet. But if I do something to call somebody a bitch and do the little Italian thing, people fucking hilarious. People pop for it. And I would never think that. But I would never I'd, I would never like be able to put that together. Um, so it's been a journey of self-exploration of like seeing, oh, well, this is the way people see me. Because to be I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I saw myself as this overweight, dorky, like not the cool kid. And it turns out I am the fucking cool kid. And I'm just being trying to be like, I didn't see what people were seeing, especially in comedy, that there's a bunch of disheveled schleps up on the stage. Like I was the hot guy in comedy. So getting on stage and having girls like, Ooh, I thought, I thought people were making fun of it. It was like a whole weird thing. So that, that, that is, that has been such a cool thing. But as far as like the, the, the practice, um, repetition is, is the key to getting comfortable. Right. So when you're on stage and you're talking like, this is why I love podcasting. Cause this is like the easier version of comedy. Like right now mm. I'm talking to two people. I never would have spoken to in my life. We're connected through technology. We're in the mm. moment. We can't mess around. This is beautiful. It's like what I love with comedy. I can't do that with, with one face. Cause there's too many faces. Right. And that's yeah. when somebody who's I'm high in neuroticism. That's why people like me so much. I want, I, I want, I could see you guys, you guys laugh and you have a good time. I like that. I'm getting, I'm in happy, but in comedy, I don't know what people are thinking only if they laugh. So it's harder when you kind of do public speaking or this to, 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 to do that. So, um, going through that process was like having to look people in the eyes, engage them while you're doing it and be in the moment while doing this. Like that was the hardest thing. Cause my first time on stage, you're in your head. And when you're in your head with comedy, you're, you're done. Like that's the, the biggest thing. The second yeah. 
you start thinking like they're like, it's almost like when they, it's almost like being uh, like a Zen master almost when you're, when yeah. you're, when you're living intuitively and you're just talking, you're not thinking and talking. That is what great comedy does. And that's what I had to learn the hard way. Cause I would be like, when, when I just like said, fuck it. And I just started doing it. And listen, there was a lot of, um, a lot of repetitions and I'll give you guys the quick story of what happened. Like I was six months in and I was, I was not half-assing it, but you're doing the first step, step in comedy is doing an open mic. So that's like yep. practice. You're doing an open mic for other comedians. So they're not going to, they, they don't want you to do good. They don't want to laugh at, the, at you. So it's hard to, to gauge everything. So the next step would be uh, bringing people to shows. And then the next step would be a development deal. My cousins call me and they say, we signed you up for the biggest comedy show in New York, the showcase. It's in two months. Good, good luck. Good luck. This is seriously what happened. I, I'm going to be honest what happened. I, I threw up immediately. I threw up. They told me I threw up. I was like hard. I'm, I can't do this. I'm going to panic. Uh, whole thing, whole thing. It was, it was terrifying. And in that two months, I got so good at comedy because I realized like how you make the diamond is the pressure. Like you, I have to, particularly me, I really work better under pressure. So I got so good in those two, three months. I was doing a lot of reps. I was doing all this, blah, 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 blah. Go do the comedy show. I win the whole thing. I win the showcase. Wow. I get a development oh deal. God. And I was like, holy shit. Now through that, the, the amount of practice I was doing, I, I really went deep into my mind because it takes, I would say Joe Dispenza was that first, the new age, um, yeah. the new age stuff that, you know, you got to feel your emotions while meditating and feel empowered and bring those two together. That's really what, what Joe's thing is doing in a nutshell. That's why the name of my podcast is what causing the effect. Like Joe really changed my, changed the way. Cause I, going into this stuff, I was like, what is this fucking voodoo? This is some nonsense. I'm just going to have to get paid. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm working to a cult. I went to the Joe Dispenza workshop in 2019. Yeah. Met Joe did the brain waves. I was like, I'm in the science backs it. I'll do it. It's, it's all good. So the mix of, of Joe with, um, are you guys familiar with deprivation tanks, sensory deprivation tanks? Yeah. You ever heard of that? Yeah. So I got one here. I have one built in my house. Wow. I love sensory deprivation tanks. So if you could imagine doing your meditation, not only are you being calm, but you're being in, in like in turning off all your, your sensory things. I was yeah. spending so much time in that thing, just preparing. So mm -hmm. I really think that fundamentally changed me to be more calmer and just see, I don't know. It's just, an, an it's, it's an expansion of awareness. And even my boss was like, what? He's like, what's going on? He's like, what? You're just different. I, I I'm still me. It's just seeing things. Mm -hmm. The the way I try to describe it is like, I would look at things. Most people look at stuff from one certain level. So if you have somebody who's like a guy who wants to look at women in a certain way, you're looking at, looking at them at a physical level. Then a, let's say somebody who's into the mind would look at people on a psychological level. Then somebody like a cop would look at things on like a, you know, almost at a criminal level. Like, what do I get for safety reasons? It's almost like I could see all the different levels of, of everything and just be more like everything just got easier. Like after my divorce, I just like made all this money at work and just everything was flowing through me. Like an abundance was flowing. And I do attribute that to Joe. I attribute it to just doing the work, but it's like keeping life. So like being pretty minimal and just focusing on certain things made my life. Like it just leveled me up to, to so many different variables. And I'm, you know, we can go into what, what pieces of that or any questions you guys have on that, but I will pause and stop for yeah. whatever. Oh, so cool. Yeah. We, I mean, we had a journey with um, Joe Dispenza as well. We really, um, we've really connected to his work. Um, probably about the same. Well, probably... well, we went to that. We went to a workshop in 2018. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look at that. That's yeah. similar timing. Yeah. yeah. I think the really? last time, eh, he might've come to New Zealand. It was, it was the last time he was here. So three days. So it was, yeah, very cool. Very powerful. What do you guys stuff. think? Oh, Love amazing. It. Yeah. We're actually, um, 
both of us were um, really sick sick at the time and we weren't going to go. Um, and we were like lying on the couch, it was like dying. I mean, you're like so much body aches and like can't even go and any kind of like light or sound was just so hectic and you turn up there's hundreds of people everywhere I was like oh I remember like, I can't even talk to you because I'm just holding reserves and sitting there on that first night I was like I'm mm-hmm. gonna throw up everywhere and then we, <laughs> we did that meta well which meditation it was the intro evening and then the next day started in the morning and it must have been like the second meditation. You know how he does the big chunk of intro and then yep. boom, you do the work. And then and big chunk of intro, then you do the work. It was probably the second meditation. And there was one point in the meditation where I hit this peak where I was like, I'm either going to break through this or I'm going to vomit on the person in front of me. Yeah. I'm like, it was like, <laughs> like I was sweating. And then we're like, we're here for it. <laughs> and then totally broke through it. And was fine. Like, as but in, both of us in the same meditation came out, looked at each other, and were like, "We're not sick anymore." Like, it happened in the same meditation at the same time. It was the most bizarre thing of like experiencing the work on such a physical level, where you know it was, and it was right away. Like, wow, that was actually much more of the mind and moving through something. And there was like residual kind of tiredness, but the actual intensity of what we were experiencing went away. So. I mean, we were pretty sold sold on Joe before, but we were very sold. I I was on the same, I'm on the same boat. I don't know what the hell was happening. After I went to that, (laughs) my meditation just like, I was just seeing, like, it's one thing to clear your mind and and do it for anxiety and practical reasons. Then it's another thing to like take it to that next level, like seeing beings and just weird things. I don't even, I don't, I don't like talking about what happens in my meditation because like, I don't want to ruin it for somebody. Like these are things I learned in my Tibetan. You don't want to, I don't want people to expect certain things. Everybody's different. Like, you know, I was reading a book, like people are expecting white lights. Like I've never seen white lights, but Mm. um, it's different. It was just another intensity, but then like that whole idea of bringing that emotion, like really just yeah. the one thing Joe made me start doing is like really start feeling, like really start yeah. feeling grateful and feeling empowered. Like you could, it's one thing to say it and one thing to take a bunch of caffeine and say, you know, I'm, I'm all jacked up, but it's like actually feeling it. And like, that was that first step on it. And, and I still, I come back to Joe cause that's what worked, but I, I started just leaning more towards like the, the sacred texts. And I went through mm-hmm. a little bit of Hinduism. I went through a little yeah. bit of Tibetan now. Um, cause I felt like I was digging a one foot hole, like a hundred one foot holes. And I was like, I just want, like, we're all going to get to the same spot, whether it's new age, whether it's old age, whether it's Christianity, yeah. whatever, take your poison. Um, and for me, just, I, I met a guy came on my podcast, this guy, Hector Marcel, shout out to three jewels, like a not-for-profit in New York. And it was just like really cool, just really chill. I, I, Cause I'm like being in New York. I'm like always looking like, where's the, where's the, where's the, the money you want from me? Or like, where's the, you know, do you going to beat, like, where's the, the cult thing? And yeah. um, so my bullshit meter is very high. Um, and I just love these guys. So it was, it was really chill. I just yoga with them, but uh, mostly just do like a Dharma class, which is just discussing like the unveiling of the cosmic reality underneath you mm. and interest net and all this stuff. And cool. um, the way that, that they describe it, it's just like unplanting your conditioned seeds that have kind of been within you just either due to education or through, through like that comparative, that comparative lens, um, or X, Y, Z. So I just really like the, the, I like the meditating side of it, obviously, but I like the philosophy edge of it and like being yeah. able to, to understand why you think the way you think. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has been like the coolest thing for me is like uncovering the pieces I didn't want to uncover. Like it sucks some of it. Like even um, doing, I, I always take two months and I go back to Carl Jung because I would say Carl Jung is my favorite psychologist. Are you guys familiar with Carl Jung at all? Absolutely, yeah. He's the best. He's the best. Um, and every time I do some shadow work and I get dream work and I'm 
it's just like, Jesus Christ, I can't, I just can't handle it because it becomes too much, but it's been helpful seeing the, the blind spots. That's really what I've been trying to do on this journey. It's like, I, I know the things that work. Like I want to see, and, and honestly it's taken, I, I've, it's been a lot of the people near me, like, listen, I want to know what I can work on. And it's like, cause I, I'm not seeing it. That's why it's repressed or this or that. Yeah. So um, it's been interesting. And then having, you know, like your cousins and like your little, like all these little, all my little cousins, like come in and talking to me about our guys in the gym, coming up to me, asking me about the podcast. Like, it's interesting seeing what you can do, like dropping a little pebble in a pond. Like you don't realize the ripple effect you could have on people. Um, not yep. saying like, you know, my podcast gets maybe five to 6,000 views an episode, but like, just like having that real effect on people and just even speaking like who I'm supposed to be forward has been like so cool. Cause I think, you know, I, I thought going into it, people would like, talking shit about it and like oh what's this kid lost his mind like this and that and people have been so receptive of it like just like not yeah you know i, I think i tried to not push it on anybody i really like in my day life I, people bring it up i'll talk about it but um i look at spirituality it's like it's it's one wave of all of us doing one thing but at the same point it's such an individualized journey that yeah. you know maybe a person won't meditate maybe they want to do tai chi or like if you're more of an active person want to go kung fu or whatever that is or you want to just do the philosophy of it like that's cool too so there's so many different avenues to go um and i try on my podcast to to be the least amount of bullshit as possible like here's the here's the tools i'm using and use them if you want use them if you don't so um, yeah. that's the way i kind of i kind of look at it yeah yeah, it is. I mean, it is that hard thing of, you know, you get excited when you find something and wanting to kind of push it, but there are so many ways. And it is interesting, you know, like the, the sort of new age and doing the action, but then coming back to the philosophy, obviously our journey is very much um, in the philosophy of yoga and we've very much gone into the philosophy of Tibetan Buddhism, which yeah. John's really into and, and studying things like the Tibetan Book of the Dead, which is um, also really interesting, you know, to, I think from a point of awareness, you know, you're, and one of the ways that we unpack the sort of conditioning and all of these things that have made us who we thought we were. And, and it's when you start to study more of the scripture and this type of philosophy, it just unpacks it because it goes against so much of the stuff we initially learned. And it, it poses always more questions, right? Like, well, how does this fit into my current understanding and who, are, who, who am I in relation to what this is saying? And then this is where, you know, where we come up against so much cognitive dissonance. Or I like to call it the kind of fear walls. You're hitting these places of like, yep. oh, well, no, that's not real because it's uncomfortable for me, as opposed to I've got tools that create a sense of gap and separation so I can breathe and then observe something different and actually integrate it into my own path. And so I think studying philosophy and studying scripture is such a valid or a valuable, let's say, way of doing this, right, and, and unraveling ourselves. It's, it's just interesting that these texts are so have been around so long, but the power that they actually hold, they're like, they're like little keys that tend to unlock aspects of ourselves, but all in such a different way. And even like, I really respect that thing of what you mentioned before about having the meditations and having all of these experiences of what you see and what you, I mean, what you've well experienced, but not overly having to share it. Because I also think that gets really, um, it takes away the sacred essence of what we're experiencing yes. when we're trying yeah. to use words and language to describe something that can't actually be described with words and language. And then we sort of take the sacredness away from ourselves and we take it away from someone else who then is, you know, trying to look for those things. Of, well, I, I respect Scott, so I've got to have that or I haven't had. Exactly. And yeah. that's something new. I learned that like recently because, you know, yeah. the, all this, there's only so many different things. Like you could sum up everything into like a, that, that, that is learned by us in like an essay. But the thing is like to condition yourself yeah. to it, because if I hear something today, 
and I evolve or I change in the next month, but the, the next month I, I'm going to look at it a little differently. I'm, I'm going to come at it from a yeah. different, a yeah. different, a different way. And, and that's something I learned. Like humility has been like something I try to work on because, mm. you know, this is a little, I'm a little bit of an ego kid from Brooklyn, big personality. People love me. What do you want me to say? Like to say that yeah. comes out, <laughs> but, um, but uh, you know, when you do that stuff, cause I was always so happy to tell people what I saw at meditation because then it's like, well, I'm like, Oh, I'm spiritual and I'm above you. Like I, I try to just stay away from that stuff now. And yeah. I've been, you know, by, by talking, I've been having like all these swamis come on the podcast, like these really religious. I'm like, wow, like it's all like, it's not, it's not mysterious in a way. Like they're trying to keep a secret. They really just want you to truly experience this for yourself. And that's, that's the same <laughs> yeah. way I'm trying just to take their shit and just repeat it. Honestly, that's just, this, yeah. you know, so. Well, we're so used to having our power taken away, right? Absolutely. That's the, that's the biggest issue. And awareness is understanding like, oh, I am the power source. The amount of times I'm like, yeah, yeah. But like, tell me what you see in yes. me, you know? And they're like, yeah. no, I'm not going to tell you anything. You have to experience it. You actually already know. So stop trying to like avoid experiencing it yourself to have someone else give you the answer. And it's even interesting. I mean, you know, a lot of people who have more psychic abilities and, and different types of healers. And I absolutely fall into that of like, oh, but but who am I? Like, how do you see this? What, what past life did I have? You know, and we fall into this world of, again, wanting to give our power away and not just reclaim it fully in ourselves. And I can understand intellectually this idea of how powerful I am as, say, a, a spiritual being having a human experience. But in daily practice, do I really, you know, or am I still falling victim to can I give my power to someone else? So it might not be the school teacher anymore or even the government, but it, it might be the healer over here, you know, or the Swami over here. And so it's that level of awareness that we have to cultivate to be aware of where we're giving our power away. Because I think that's a huge aspect that it's kind of a, a tripping stone, right? Where you're, you, and then you, you sort of see it, but then it comes up again and again. I've talked about that it's kind of on a spiral. You're always healing on a spiral and the spiral's going up, but you t- kind of hit the same, um, it always feels like learnings maybe you haven't time learned, and, time again. And, it, and it's back again. That same lesson. Yeah. It's like, wow, maybe I didn't learn that lesson right, but actually, Perfect. you're actually you've got you've collected it, and then you're back to that lesson because there is always more to learn. Yeah. And around the spiral, you go. All the there's always sections. a new perspective. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. We love and the that, spiral metaphor. <laughs> I, I'm I'm a big fan of it too because I, I always tell people like I, you know because let's not say I don't know if like. I feel like I'm here to do something right with speaking yeah. and all the things I do with this. And like, I do all the comedy stuff. And like, I said this to somebody the other day, I was like, maybe comedy isn't like what I'm going to end up doing like full time. And like, but you put so much time into it. I'm like, yeah, but like, it's, okay. it's like, yeah, that's, there's no problem with that because I'm, I'm trying to like, you're, you're going, and this is where it comes from, you know, the new Testament, right? You're chasing the, 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 the moving star. And that's, to me, that means you're, you're like who you are, because as you change, your goals are going to change. So maybe like, I just got asked to do, to do like a, a speaking engagement at the New York state speaking society in June. Like maybe I'll do speaking. Cause honestly, for me, comedy has been such a cool thing of learning about like that awareness. But yeah. when, once you're doing it, like, I don't want to just get laughs you know it's almost like a, yeah. i want something deeper so maybe speaking is the answer like that could be something cool and i'll go ahead and i'll take that up and i'm you know it's it's all and i look at it like it's almost like a game where it's like you have a like the, the the tree of speaking and then like you learn comedy you learn how to speak and hold your paws and all these little things that come along with it so like nothing's ever wasted um because everything's so inter- interchangeable and even like if i never speak in public ever again like i still will be able to take that confidence that i could do it because i was such a different person before like mm-hmm. i would go to school and like have to make sure there's not a speech in the in the thing it's such a such a crazy thing man yeah the um i think a lot of the the stand-up comedians that we respect the most are the ones that 
that they bring you in into the theme of whatever their their um, their set is, and then they hit you with the philosophy. They hit you with the with the actual thing that they that they're passionate about that they want to talk about. The um, I can really never remember her last name, but Eliza something or other. Yes, uh, Sch- Schwisinger. Schwisinger. Yeah, yeah. There we go. And, um, and Amy Schumer. Um, the, these these women that have this ability to to bring up the big topics um, by walking you in through the mainstream kind of experience of life, and then they hit you hard with the actual philosophy, the actual kind of change point. And I think stand up comedy has such a way of reaching people. It's such a it's such a kind of sneaky way in to get people to think about something in a different way. It puts you exactly. in an interesting state, you know, yeah. when you are, yeah. you're more relaxed and that hu- what humor actually does. I think it is like one of the highest levels of intelligence, you know, to be able to do comedy. It's um, there's just so much intelligence and so much awareness that actually has to go into it when it's done well. And I just love how you talked about that, you know, like, but how do they see me? And then how do you find that without actually getting feedback without a different level of awareness? Like what an incredible journey and kind of makes me think, you know, this, yeah, like Joseph Campbell, right? Like we're on the, the well, journey, journey the you know, journey. and the hero's yeah, journey, and then being that, and this idea of oh no, but I've got to keep doing it because I'm good at it, as opposed to but I've taken all of the gold, right? I've taken all of the treasure and the learning, and when I get back to my village, this is what I'm sharing. This is the the insight that I've gained from all of that learning, and that we're so kind of conditioned to to think that we it needs to just be really really big and then kind of get burnt out rather than I'm taking it all now, but in this beautiful way of how I will then share and impart the knowledge to, to the village when I'm back because I'm the hero of this journey. So it's just so resonates with what you're saying. I love, yeah, that's my guy, Joseph Campbell. That's like yeah. my favorite. That's where I did all that mythology stuff. Cause yeah. And yeah. it's like, once you realize like you, your life is just a hero's journey, like over and over again, it's not like one <laughs> big journey. It's like a different chapter. Um, and like, for me, I always do, I'm used to like the first step, ordinary world. Then you have step two, your call to adventure. Then you have the refusal of the call and then you be the mentor. <laughs> and then you cross the threshold. And then I always get stuck on step six. It's like your test, your allies, your enemies. That's like where I'm at with the comedy now, because the truth yeah. is I've been doing this two years. Like you're not going to have the skill of Dave Chappelle or Bill Burr would have to tell their story and let, you know, like, cause that's the one thing, right? In this, in, in your first four to five years, they say you're trying to figure out who you are to them. And then where are you playing that piece on? Like, where are you playing the, the piece that you're missing? Like Bill Burr just always plays that he's like a chauvinist pig. Like he's not, he dates, his wife is black. Like he's obviously not, but it's funny that he is. And Chappelle yeah. has his shtick. Everybody has their shtick. So when you find who you are, which I think I've done, then what are you missing? And then you start developing your themes. And like, it takes a lot of skill to be able to be funny with telling a story underneath it. So it could be that I just don't have those skills yet. Cause if I had the skill to talk about what we're talking about and laugh, people make me, then it's like, then it's a perfect, that's a perfect yeah. thing. Like, that's the goal. But yeah. um, right now I'm doing splitting it up is, is good enough. I'm still figuring out both. So it's uh it's interesting. Cause like podcasting helps comedy and comedy helps podcasting. Oh, no doubt. Very cool. And meditation helps everything. Yeah. <laughs> meditation. And yeah, I I've decided this year to uh, like the goal of this, have the highest possible quality of my consciousness pull up on my meditation i i really said like i need i'm used to doing things by myself um and that's not you know when you need these next steps you can't just go to youtube and like just youtube you know after you're kind of i could watch i could watch my thoughts now 
now I could detach, but like, what's the next step? So that's why I said, let me, let me really focus on Tibetan community and just be around people. Like, and my life has been so like vibrant. Everything's just nicer. Instead of being around people who are just walking around miserable or worrying about money, like in my job, we make, we all make very good money. And like, we think we're like Wolf of Wall Street. So you get like a deal at $60,000. People are ringing a bell and we're losing our minds. And it's like, I don't even do that anymore. People are like, why don't you care about the money? It's like, I don't want to, because this too shall pass, right? The money will, yeah. you know, I don't want to get too high or get too low. I just got that tattoo right here. Like it's, um, that's like the, the goal of, of this one. Cause I would, I would, I see, you see people change with the money. And that's like the one thing I look for when, I, when I'm hiring people, because we kind of created um, this like, we're the, we're a one-stop shop for billionaires. So they come to us to buy a baseball team, or if you want an M&A transaction, you want to create something called like a family office. That's like what I specialize in. So I'm very particular with the people like you have to go through everybody in my firm and then you have to talk to me, the boss, because I'm really, and all I'm caring about, I don't care about the job. I'm, I'm really like, are you a good person or is the money going to change you this and that yeah. and this and that? So it's just funny the way I do stuff. Cause I'm like the head of HR. I'm the head of the psychology department. I'm like, I do everything, <laughs> all this stuff okay. for the firm. Yeah. So it's, um, I'm very grateful for that. Cause it's the, the, what I always want to do is like, I wanted to be a businessman, but not totally. I want to, so on, I, I work, everybody knows that I work, you know, if everybody's listening from, from my job, I work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So it's pretty good. You're making all this money. You work three days a week. I don't got to stress. And like, cause what you guys, like the person that you guys are meeting is the person that a billionaire meets. So Take it or leave it, guy. That's what I, you know, that's, and I think it's funny because I had this conversation with a couple of these guys. Like, why do you go with us? And like, just, you know, you're not like a bullshitter. Like, that's what I try. I try to tell people, like, I can bullshit, but I'm not a bullshitter. You know, I try to tell people, like, the pitches will save you time, will save you money. There's not going to be any BS. And, you know, that's their, their, their most valuable thing. They don't need money. They just need their time. So, what I, I'm interested in um, your past and this relationship with your father and the gambling. And then the interest in the hedge fund kind of, do, is there a relationship here? Because I don't know much about finance, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. relationship with the, the, the whole idea of gambling is, is hedge fund kind of like playing the stocks, like you're in the gambling kind of world on a bigger scale? Yeah, in a way. So um, I have, and we'll just, we'll overlay this to like, in my twenties, I was addicted to like everything. I have like major addiction issues, like pick your poison. I've been addicted to it. And like, <laughs> You stop drinking, then you go towards this, or you move towards this, and you go towards sex. Like well, everything, I, I've done it, and that was part why I went. I really said I'm gonna go deep down spiritually when I was 28, 29, whatever that age was. So I was like, I just don't want to do this anymore. Like I can keep nobody ever notices because I'm like, um, I could just talk my way through yeah. stuff, and nobody will realize. So I was like, I just have to stop this myself. But um, I was uh, funny enough. I was supposed to play. Um, I was supposed to play college football actually. So. When I was 18, I signed my letter of intent to play at a big college in Florida, and I blew my knee out really bad. And mm-hmm. that kind of changed everything because I, at that point, I wasn't thinking, you know, I'm a dumb 18-year-old kid. I wasn't thinking about making money by that point. I, I was just um, like going to play football. That was really all I was, I was worried about. My mother put it in my head, um, like, you're really good at numbers. Uh, me and my mother, my mother's great. She's just a torture. Like, every night I come home, we would do uh, two hours of math spelling, like math, math cards for two hours and just rip through them. We do a lot of math bees and all that stuff. She said, listen, you have three choices. You could go into finance. You could be a doctor or you could be a lawyer. That was the three options I was given. I was like, my, I think I kind of like social sciences. She's like, no, that's not going to make money. <laughs> what do you, she was like, are you going to work at the psychology factory? That's not going to happen. Like you have to do this. So the only reason I did finance was because um, it was the lowest amount of years in school. So finance, I do do in four years. I figured I can get that done in three. I can get my MBA. 
and or a doctor's 10 years and a lawyer was eight years. So I was like, that's the only reason I did it. But it's <laughs> it. really the only reason. Uh, so I banged that out. So I ended up getting a, a BS in finance, a BS in economics, and then an MBA. So I got a, so technically I was an accountant and a, uh, a, a fi- financial analyst. Mm-hmm. Now with that though, the, the gambling comes into play with investing for people's money. Mm-hmm. So um, going into that, you know, everybody thinks I w- I'm going to put, you know, $10 million in, I'm going to get $10 million out being with the, the billionaires and learning. Um, so this is like a family office is what it's called. A family office is like, you guys like know an investment firm, like you have an investment firm with a bunch of different um, investors. A family office is one firm for one billionaire's money. So they have their philanthropic needs. They have their investments. They have their foundations. They have their whatever is under their umbrella. So that's what I specialize in. They taught me actually how they do it like the right way, which I actually do. So I don't gamble at all with my money. I'm actually pretty good because what they taught me to do was um, – it's about the compounding interest. So it's about not making a home run. It's about hitting a single every year. So instead of trying to make 20, 25%, everybody, you know, kids nowadays, they think they're going to make all their money on Dogecoin and AMC. It's not that at all. It's that you want to make four to 5% on your money and have patience and wait 15, 20 years. So I'll give you guys an example. If we played a game, uh, a game of golf, 18 holes, right? And we, mm-hmm. I said, let's play, let's play for a dollar on hole one, but let's double it. Um, let's double it by the time we get to, but let's double it every hole. So in from one to two to four, whatever, by the time you got to hole 18, you would be playing for $36,000. And that is the power of compounding interest. So understanding that has helped me be able to like, not be a degenerate of my money and like not gamble it away. Um, but having that, that gambling mentality mm. has let me like, I'm fearless. Like, I don't care. Like I'll make an investment. I've made some investments that work. I make some that don't. So it's definitely like helped me um, and that's honestly part of why I got divorced because my ex-wife wouldn't allow me to invest money. And I'm like, I'm not saying I know what I'm doing, but this is what I do for billionaires. If I could do it for billionaires, I could do it for, for us. <laughs> so, you know, cause like having money sitting in an account just drives me crazy. Cause it's, you know, I'm not making money on it and like, I could just be making money on it. So, you know, that, that is it in a nutshell. So the, the, I, I, being in a, in a hedge fund, did just that particular hedge fund, like mostly in hedge funds would be a little different. That one was just really built on intergenerational wealth. Cause if those people are making uh 3% on their billion dollars, they don't got to really worry about much. Yeah. yeah. And then that mix. So I learned how to do that. So I have a couple of my safe stuff and then I have like my fun gambling stuff, but like, that's what gets me going. And that's why I like, you know, investing in properties and having like, uh, I'm lucky enough to be able to co-invest with some of these families. So I'm able to get like, do baby, like these guys will invest $5 million. And I'm like, can I invest my 25, 50,000, please help me. And they'll let me do it. So it's, um, it's taught me a lot. So it is funny. Like all these little skills there, everything is like interchangeable in a way. And like, I, I really, um, like I lost a lot of money right in the middle of my marriage. I was gambling. Like I, I, and again, like if you saw when I was working at the hedge fund, I got sick. Like something was just manifesting when I was, when I was, when I was married for a year and a half, I was so miserable. I was just, I was getting anxiety. I was, it was just like coming home and being shit on every day. So I started gambling and I think subconsciously I was like looking for a reason to like get out. Mm-hmm. So I really got into a really bad case of gambling. I lost a lot of money. Um, but like, I don't regret that because I needed to, that's kind of, it, it makes you yeah. almost callous to like nothing, nothing really like, like I was at zero. Like the day I, the day I got divorced, I had like, I gave her all the money we had because I didn't want to be a bad guy and like that, whatever. So I had zero dollars to my name and I'm like, I'm going to build everything back up. And like, now it's, it's, it's crazy. And like doing that, even just doing that, like, I, I don't, I know I could lose everything today and I'll just build it back up too. So. Yeah. Yeah. 
amazing. What a superpower, you know? Yeah. And then to have all of that experience and to then bring in this level of awareness and all of these other, you know, skills and leading into more of that kind of spiritual path is just so incredible what you can right? do. Right. So, and world, you know? it's interesting because like my cousins are all philosophy, psychology guys, and they're all struggling really? with money. Yeah. So they're all like, your mother was cool because you got you got the, the resume now and now you're getting into it. So it's like, I think it was all yeah. meant to happen a certain way to me because now I'm bougie. I need money. I can't I can't not be making big, big bucks. So it's, it's funny how it all uh, like lines up like this. So, yeah, I mean, it is rare, you know, like we know a lot of ourselves included and just sort of people that are more on that spiritual path and always stuck with money like it's like a it's like a living in some sort of black hole and just nobody tends to understand it and it's um it's also this you know there's this whole kind of scarcity consciousness of like it's bad and it's really beautiful to hear you talk about it especially at that level and just be like this is where i am it's still just people you know i'm still just a person doing this and then bringing in the kind of awareness and spiritual side to it is really amazing and so your story and and what you're doing is really special and inspiring, mm. you know, and it's beautiful that you're speaking on a podcast and sorry, have your own podcast and even through comedy and just the way you interact with people in a different way of like, you know, are you a good person? And also that, that education of how you educate someone to stay humble in this experience, because it's actually not the individual's fault, right? Like if you get a lot of money or a lot of power, it takes quite a lot of awareness and skill to stay humble, right? It takes a lot of work. And I think it's, easy to just blame people of like, oh, look, you've got a big ego or you're, you know, you're being a dick basically. But it's like, well, having money and having all of those things, it is like a, um, an energy in itself, which takes over. And there has to be a level of awareness and practice to keep the humility alive. Do you see that? And do you have any kind of insight? Yeah, I got a lot. Yeah. I can tell you a lot about that. So it it was funny because, um, I, I never, I never cared about money. Like money was never a thing. I, all I wanted to do was just have enough to feel comfortable. Now, whatever the number is, everybody has different numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, once I hit that, it w- it was just like I I expanded more because you don't got to worry about money. So that's, yeah. that's what everybody's worrying about it most of the time. I don't got to worry about it. And through the process of like med- like it's weird now. I do like to like dress up nice and all this stuff. Like I got rid of cars. I don't have a car. I got rid of like I, I don't buy like I try to live within means because. Like, what do you need? Like, I realized, like, I'm, I, why do I have a BMW? Like, what is the point? Like, what is the actual mm-hmm. point? So it's because it's, it's saying a, a certain standard, right? Um, even having a house, like the, the, the first thing you do to show you're successful in New York is like, tell everybody I bought a house. I don't have a house. I have a little, my little apartment. I have a little wellness room back there with my deprivation tank and my, my yoga mat. That's all I need. Like, this is really what I need. Um, do I need a $15,000 deprivation tank? Maybe not, but I love my tank. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's <laughs> It's about finding, finding that balance. But, um, my, it really, my awareness did go up just, just by not having to worry about money. But at the same point, I do feel like it's the yin and yang because one thing implies the other. So by saying that I'm also implying that if I didn't have it, I may not be as aware. So that is something like, even like what you guys are doing, like just having a job where like you're fully engaged in the spiritual journey is beautiful in me. And like, I look up to people like yourselves that do that because, I just can't let go of that. that. That's an ego thing for me. It's like letting go of that identity of Scott of let really like, yeah. you know, cause I, I have a feeling that one day I will have to let go. Cause it's been, it's been a struggle of like working. Cause the, the way I look at it's like three days a week, it's not bad. And you're grateful and all that stuff. People are struggling, mm-hmm. but at the same point, you could be, you know, reading your books and, you know, 
providing more pod, like something on, on the level you could be doing a little better. So I, I am trying to balance now, but it has been an internal struggle for me because that's the ego talking of money and like, you know, that at least needing that, whatever, you know, you, you know, you may need. So it has been a little bit of a struggle, but um, my relationship with it, like never being, um, never being greedy and, and always like doing the right thing. Like, like in my company, if you saw like i I could be the intern. Like I walk in, I walk, I, I'm, I just dress up like this and I'm like, Hey, what do you guys like? Let is you guys doing good? Like I'm, I'm more worried about how everybody is everybody happy. Um, mm-hmm. so like we do a different style of bonuses. So like, uh, I, instead of giving kids money, obviously the, uh, every quarter will come in. If you hit your numbers, you'll come in and you'll say, what do you want? Some kids, some kids that want money, you get money. Some kids want more time off. So you know, go take mm-hmm. time off. Um, do you want like one kid wanted me as his wingman for a month? And I'm like, dude, you got me. Let's go out every, that, that's oh, it. That's what you want. <laughs> So it's, it's really a nice little, I try to take, like, obviously we're doing, we're doing business, but like, it's not a business vibe in, in our, in our office. So I really try to like push that. And uh, my partner is the same way. He's like more of a classic New York kid from Long Island accountant. He's like, you know, puts it, but like he tries. So he, we're both, it's a, it's a good balance of like, you can't have me just run. It's like having the you know, having a crazy person run, run the show. We need the balance. I need, he's nice, normal, does the accounting, does the administrative stuff. Um, so it's really a, a nice balance. That's what we try, but he's, um, I taught him some mindset stuff. He's taught me some, you know, like he started getting, um, starting getting the ulcers a couple of years ago. He was uh, going through a marriage. Everything was good with him. He was just, they were having trouble having a baby. And um, I showed him some med- mindfulness stuff. And now all the kids come up to me, well, what are you reading today? And we'll have like a little, not that I need to have like classes about this. Just if you guys want to talk about it, just come into my office and we'll, we'll talk about it. So mm-hmm. it's about like, just not like taking away, like we're, it's, it's all one. Like there's not just talk about finance, talk about this, talk about that. Like we, you could talk about everything. Cause it's all going to help you on different. Um, like the reason why I started my podcast was there's a, there's a billionaire. You, you guys have kind bars, kind, you guys ever heard of kind K I N D kind when you guys are done google google it's a big company in um in america it's like this this guy his name was um david lubetsky and he's a a multi-billionaire but like not when you meet a billionaire his son when you meet like a second uh, generation then you have like a little bit of a jerk this guy was created all his money his own mexican-american great company uh great guy um he was the one that suggested a podcast. That's the only reason I really have a podcast. He yeah. was like, you should really do this. Cause he was asking me, like, usually I'm talking about business, talking about, you know, how we're going to get this transaction to this. And he was like, you should really like, you know, he was just asking me questions about weight loss, about like what my practices. He's like, this would really be good. And it's just funny just because he was a billionaire, gave me the confidence, like, yeah, let's do it. So he funded the, <laughs> the start of the podcast. So um, it's cool stuff. It's really like, I'm very grateful. And just like, I like if, if my life ended tomorrow, like I got enough stories, like the story could end now. And, <laughs> you, and you know, good. it's, uh, and it's all good. You know, it's just like, Hey, I think it's beautiful. You're in that world with this yeah. level of awareness. I think it's really easy to think, Oh no, I should be out or I should be committed, but it's like exactly that. It is all one. It is not two separate worlds. It's not like I've got to go and do the spiritual world over here and the kind of, let's say finance or big money world over here. It's like, it's one thing. And actually, I think a lot of us that are here right now, like on earth, are trying to bridge this balance, you know, that you can be in any part of life and still be here, still have a winner, still be good, right? And still know who we are as spiritual beings and still actually act from a place of kindness and love, no matter where you are. So removing yourself from that world in a, in a way would be kind of detrimental to the people that you then experience, you know? And then what mm. someone replaces you who's just like, well, another dickhead. We don't need exactly. more dickheads in big money. You know, we need more you <laughs> in there. See, I never looked at it that stuff. way. 
Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it, it was like when, when you're going through that process in that world, like, you know, it would never come up. And now it just comes up more because it's like part when people Google uh, my company or me that the podcast, like I got the SEO pumping for the, not for the, the not for the company, for the freaking for the podcast. Cause that's what it's about. Um, so it, it has been, I think in the beginning it was more of, it, it was just, it was a real struggle for me to like to come out and talk about this stuff. And now it's like, no, this is, this is me. And like, I'm proud of my, I'm proud of the practice I have. I'm proud of being, you know, to into Tibetan Buddhism and all this, this different work. Cause I, it's so interesting that we're in this time where you just see the last hundred years, the, the technological sciences have, have taken, taken off, right. Where we have all social media and all this stuff, but you're seeing a lot of uncertainty and a lot of anxiety. And I personally think the yeah. social sciences, people will need to really dabble more in that space to kind of catch up, to be able to, to deal with this. Cause yeah. in New Zealand, you guys, we were having this conversation about COVID. It's like, there's probably a lot of anger. There's a lot of angst. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of, you have to have the tools to be able to kind of, to deal with this stuff, whether yeah. it be of awareness to see who's bullshitting you. Because in America, you know, we have a, an old 88 year old guy running the president. Like it's a joke. It's, and people have to yeah. be able to see that. Um, and, and, you know, to be able to see whatever, you know, I don't want to get too political, but yeah, you have to be able to see where, who's telling what. And since, um, since 2000, from 2000 to present, 99.6% of the information on the internet has been created. So this is what you're seeing. You're seeing an overload of information. Um, and people, you have to be able to see what's real and what's not. And even when you go down the spiritual journey, that's why I, I, I've seen, there's a lot. I'm sure you guys probably come across some spiritual gurus or people are trying yeah. to, you know, whatever that nonsense is. It's like, no, I'm here. I'm almost like the, I look at myself like a, like a watcher. Like I'm the watcher of the finance for, for the company. I'm the watcher for the spiritual world in a way. Like I'm not gonna let people get sold and this and that. Um, so I just try to just do the right thing. You just try, you try to be as real as possible with, mm -hmm. with everything you're doing and like, just speak, speak your being forward in the most authentic way you could. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It just speaks our language. And I think it is that beautiful thing that if you're in both worlds, you show other people, they can be in both worlds. Because yeah. until you had that, you know, the huge health crisis or everything falls apart. It's like this idea of, oh, well, I can only be in this one world because this is who I am. And you fall into kind of a, a false archetype rather than understanding that you can actually have both because we're so much more um, multifaceted. 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 And it's um, it's beautiful. That's kind of what you're doing. And that you have the energy and the ability to be in all those worlds is the gift. To turn away from that would be turning away from the gift, right, from that path. So it is just amazing. But I think there's never, ever, ever any assurity, mm. I think that's the word, mm. of what the path is, but that's the point. If we were super confident in the moment that we knew that everything was actually as it was supposed to be, we wouldn't have that same drive. You know, we wouldn't have that same um, essence of curiosity mm. and movement that everything's actually in motion, that the world is, is, in, is always in process. It's yeah. functionalism. It's always there. So we have to always be like, ah, oh, and what's going on over here? And in the, the spiritual world, it can get really obsessive with what is my path? What is my journey? Who what am, what my am dharma, I here yeah. to do? To a point where it's too rigid. And a lot of our systems and things are based in this idea of rigidity and, and like a static um, purpose where actually it's functional and it's flowing and it's a process. And if you can just go with that, like you've illustrated really beautifully, right? Everything opened up. There is a sense of flow. Then we tend to understand more and never trying to force things into boxes that they don't they're not ready to belong in. It's probably the way. Yeah. No, and that's a great thing to even to even like a great topic because that's I feel like a lot of people, at least in America and that are younger, they're looking for certainty. Yeah. And if you're looking for certainty in reality, there's none. It doesn't exist. We're all it's <laughs> impermanence. So like I I I think 
control people try to control things that's where the power comes from that that's what kind of pushes me away i try to teach these billionaires that because all these guys it's like like one guy was talking to me this the other day he was so upset that he has five billion dollars and his friend is worth seven billion dollars and that just showed me like it, money's money will not make you happy that because yeah. this guy will he'll get seven billion then he'll be worried about somebody taking the seven billion from him. like it's just it's more your mind than, than anything else so it's like all these little teaching teachings pop up um every day so it's um it's interesting but like people have to learn to accept change like i love waking up and like what's what what's going to happen today like i have no idea you know we're going to figure it out it's, it yeah. creates critical thinking it cre creates problem solving and like you were saying earlier like a lot of people want everything kind of fed to them and i think that's you know the issue with the education system and everybody in america at least and everybody not you're just doing what you're told by somebody else and if you start like tracing it back like what why like my yeah. kid <laughs> My kid, before he goes to school, will have the school of Scott. Let me tell you, we're going to be meditating. We're going to be reading some Tibetan. We're going to be reading the philosophical problems of change. And we're going to be breaking stuff down. He's going to be one, one wise dude. So it's, it's cool. Yeah, it is cool. It'll be cool. You know, if we just have a chance with a, a friend yesterday, you know, they say um, all the different ways of knowing. All yeah. the different ways of knowing things, you know, we get taught in school, it's kind of one way of knowing, but actually knowing from here and our own intuition and our own kind of feeling and that what is natural discernment? So important, right? To be teaching children. And then at the moment, we're kind of teaching ourselves as adults that there is this way of knowing things in the world that goes beyond maybe even the scientific method. And it's not discrediting any of the ways. It's saying we can use all of them. We're, we're much more complex in the way of knowing and learning and gathering information and being in relationship and being in our workspace and everything can be just much more beautiful and complex when you have a level of awareness that gives you a level of discernment right it's not just taking it all it's kind of like oh interesting like how does that sit with me and and a lot of the what we teach it's like have you filtered it through you you know have you filtered that through you i'm going to sit here with all my outrageous opinions and i have many of them we do but it's like i'm not telling you what to think i might speak really passionately i might even be relatively aggressive as i talk but that's just because that's my passion from my experience being filtered through my knowing how do you take information and it's actually a really hard thing to listen to information from someone who's very convincing and sit in the space of discernment in our own minds, right? Like how instantly we are convinced, of, oh, well, they've said it. Oh, yes. <laughs> and then we kind of yeah. believe it first and then discern. And we were trained Amazing, that way right? at school. Like that's what school trains you to do. You like you listen to the teacher. The teacher says this. This is the correct answer. Exactly. You got, get righteous. You've got the teacher's edition of the book. The answer's in the back. I deal with this every day because I, I deal with some smart dudes who like this this shit that they say. People are like, "Wow, I'm like, wow, dude, that that doesn't make sense to me." I'll just call them out, like, "Dude, it's fucking bullshit." Like, get yeah. out. But if you think about it, like with school, what we're taught in this competitive environment, like to just compare, right? Yeah. And that's not good. And now all of a sudden, what's the everybody loves social media and everybody's comparing, and it's like that's yeah. it's going to be detrimental to to a lot of things, whether it's to your because we're talking about a what awareness. A kid can't sit on their phone without turning it off for, for five or six seconds it's like yeah, it's, yeah. it's unbelievable yeah. um so i think awareness is gonna have to catch you I, I really think the, the the meditations or any type of whatever i i by i told my, my little cousins these are 70 year old kids from brooklyn i was like i, I couldn't call it meditation though. i told them get off your phone for the first hour of your day and just sit with your thoughts and now all of a sudden they love it They're like wow wow what is this amazing thing i'm like it's fucking meditating bro just just yeah. relax. <laughs> You know, you have to, you have to kind of change it up for certain things. Even like I grew up in private Catholic school my whole life. 
You couldn't put a Bible near me. You could hate it. I hate it to this day. Now I sit, I read it. I understand it because it's not mm-hmm. being shoved down my throat. I understand yeah. it because it's not being taken literally. And mm-hmm. my mother hates it. because like, now you're reading the goddamn Bible. You would never go to church. I was like, ma, no, I'm, you know, so uh, it's, it's very cool. We're in, a, we're in a really interesting time. I think people like ourselves are really going to lift some others up through this process. Cause some people yeah. just, if, if you're not prepared for, for, all this stuff. Cause I, I don't think the uncertainty is ending here. I think it's just going to get worse and worse for a little bit. And then, you know, something will break and then we'll something new will be created. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think it is just that, you know, we're like <laughs> cheerleaders. Yeah. As I would say, it's exactly. like cheerleaders for others, right. And cheerleader for our own journey. And then a cheerleader for someone else who's like, Hey, can you just, can you kind of stand with me? You know, can you be my witness to the fact that I'm going through this? Because can you tell me I'm not crazy? So often exactly. it's a storm. It's really messy, you know, looking at this stuff and unpacking and, ah, oh, it's not a comfortable process and it's not all just rainbows and unicorns and positivity blanketing. It's actually more, more in line with the dark night of the soul. And then yes, through that magic does actually happen, but it's really hard to explain that until someone's experienced it. And so it is, cool. it is being the, the cheerleaders of awareness. And we got stuck in, well, it's very, easy to get stuck in the the shortening of everything down to a meme and that that one meme is going to solve someone's problems that one little quote mm. on an instagram tile could actually be the thing that um that that is enough sharing to to get someone through something and we need to realize that it, it takes long format conversations it takes it takes time. It takes coming back to the same thing. It takes the spiral like, oh, I feel like I healed that, but I'm back here again. And that sometimes we have, for a lot of these, this younger generation, we've shortened their attention span so much that they want this to change it. I've done that now. I'm going to go over here, not recognize yeah, I, I, I refuse to go on TikTok. I'm not going on TikTok ever. Yeah. Everybody can find me. I'm not doing it. 10 seconds. What 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 could I say in 10 seconds? Yeah. yeah. And I think you know, you see the the numbers of podcasts keep getting higher and higher. And I'm not saying like Instagram will fall off the face of the planet, but eventually people are gonna get sick of, of looking at girls' asses and the guy's muscles and this and that. And like you're gonna want to come around to see the truth because eventually, like I'm not maybe not even our, our lifetimes, a hundred years from now, you're gonna people are gonna want re- what is reality, like what is going on? Because even yeah. Being here during the um, like, I I didn't like Trump. I really didn't like Biden. Going, sitting in New York, going through this and hearing people like be so gun ho for one or the other. I'm like you guys are just shot. Like you're crazy. Like you're just yeah. out of your mind. And, it's um, almost like a <laughs> yeah, it is. And it, and but that's what social media wants us to do. That's what Facebook ads wants us to do. That's why they're the one way America would have been brought down was kind of splitting it up. And now yeah, I've never Bye. felt yeah, feel so divided here. And people are like so shot. It's just it's just crazy. Like with the mask stuff. Like I'm not. I was not the biggest. I I got shot. I, got, I had my shots. I'm boosted. God bless. But I looked at the data of the science and I was like, the mask thing, if you have the, if, if we're, if we're doing the, um, the social distancing and I'm, and I have the vaccination and I'm boosted, maybe I'm going to wear a mask. So that's, that's what, what I thought. And people, I get yelled at on the train and I'm, you know, people just, people need something to get, to have yeah. something to, to, to get really revved up about. It's really crazy. I love that. We, we say we don't wear masks either. And um, so, you know, my face is a representation of, of freedom, you know, and I think a lot of it's really interesting with this of the perception, you know, around stuff like that. Of, oh, but you've got to do it for others. I'm like, but that would be enabling fear. I choose not to do that. Like if you have an issue with me, then maybe that's something that you get to ponder and to feel, you know, but it is divide and conquer. And it's a very, 
it's it's working very successfully currently um, in all of these things and what we choose to do. And the fact that, like John always says, you know, you're never going to have a global population all agreeing to the same thing. And right now they're asking us all to do the same thing. I'm like, you're insane to think that would ever work. It d- doesn't work and isn't the most magical thing in the world that we're all so different and we see things differently and we want to do things differently and that that's really beautiful. And that also comes through awareness. You know, when you know yourself, when you're here, when you're aware, you know yourself, you know what your values and principles are. And there is a huge lack of people even having values and principles of knowing who they are and aligning themselves with that, no matter how their external world changes. And for us, like we're very strong in what our values and principles are and, and, and also educate ourselves around that to know and so that you can stand quite strong in what you choose to do. Like getting on the train without a mask, you know I mean? That shit's hard. We walk into the supermarket and it's like being death stared down, you know? I mean, it's we're quite used to it after two years, but it's um, it's really, really intense to just be like, I've got to then regulate the system, which without the tools, the practices, the awareness, it's near to impossible to align with your own values. So an interesting terrain that we live on uh, is is having is having values and awareness that comes through values and principles that comes through greater awareness and you need tools to cultivate that so you know the sort of spiral exactly and the only way you're, you're not going to have somebody's not going to disagree with you is if you don't say anything at all so yeah, yeah. You, know, that, that you have to you have to learn how to speak like that's the other thing this whole process did for me was like not going to the dark side of the dark side of the soul that's just like understanding your darkness and like really yeah. there's a difference between like being nice to somebody like i used to be nice just because i wanted i wanted i didn't want anybody i wanted them to be loved and i you know yeah. and that's like the, where's the virtue in that but it's different now because i'm nice to people because i see the malevolence and the melancholy of the dark side and how i could be and honestly makes you a little bit more dangerous i feel like i feel like being nice when you know i could be a little bit dangerous that is that is i'm choosing Mm. that i'm choosing goodness i'm choosing that and so mm. if you're just being nice Powerful. for the sake of being nice then you're a rabbit like what is the difference between yeah. you're a rabbit then you're just nice you're just there so um i ain't take no shit is what i'm saying yeah <laughs> yeah i love that i reckon we should finish up on i take no shit <laughs> at 11 11 you see That's it. Uh, i love that oh look at that cool well, again, thank you so much for, for for joining us. Great chat. I feel like it won't be our last. You're awesome. No. Just, yeah. Come just I mean, I feel like you know that, which I respect. But um, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, as your New Zealand sister over here, that you're awesome. What you're doing is awesome. And I'm super grateful you reached out because, yeah, I think our humans will be really pumped up to listen to you talk and everything you have to say has been super inspiring. So. Yeah. No, th- thank you. Seriously, thank you guys from the bottom of my heart, John Nicole. You guys are great. And um, anything I can do to help, just let me know. And yeah, let's do yeah. it again. Whenever you guys want, yeah. want to shoot the shit, I can do this all night. All night. Yeah. Right? Thank you. So fun. Thank you. I want to see your comedy. You know? yeah. <laughs> I'll send you. know what I'll do? I'll send you guys um, my five minutes after this. How's that? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, amazing. We'll put it yeah, in the Yeah. All right. Have you got, uh, now that I've talked about memes and not distilling things down to one little line, have you got one little line to finish off on? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it at that quote that I just got. I've, I've been, I, I read that every morning, every night, just this too shall pass. Just remember that, um, you know, even the highs, just just stay calm in every situation, even when it's really good. Um, you know, you're, you're always on the wave. So the wave's either ending or it's getting ready to come or you're on it. So just, just remember, just stay calm through everything. Don't let your, uh, your thoughts control everything. So awesome. thank you guys. Seriously. Thank you so much. Yeah, and great chat with Scott. If you want to get in touch with some of the stuff that he's up to, that he's doing, you can find his podcast, uh, 
causingtheeffectpodcast.com and causing the effect podcast on Instagram. And there's a bunch of links to other things he's up to in the show notes. Uh, we had a really great time talking to him and hopefully it won't be the last. We'll line something up to get in touch again. Um, if you like this episode, make sure you show your affection by hitting the subscribe button. Um, any of that stuff really helps us in our progress in this world of podcasting. So always grateful for the likes, the subscribes, the comments, the shares, any of those things. And for now, thank you again so much for listening um, and taking the time out of your day to listen to someone else's journey towards radical awareness. The Radical Awareness Podcast.